Father, we just thank you once again this morning. <clears throat> even as we gather, O oh Lord, here in, a, in this place and even all around the city, wherever we are, your children. Father, we commit ourselves to your hands, O oh Lord, this morning once again. The 31st day of all of us together this way, studying your word, meditating upon your word, understanding the principles of the kingdom of God. I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you will equip us even more, strengthen us, let our convictions become even more stronger. And, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that words that we hear and and understand will become life, will just not be a part of our head, but that will become a part of our inner man, a part of our character. Thank you, Father. Your word says the word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. Father, you said... When we came and when you, when you're through your apostle Paul, you said when the words came through him, they did not receive it as it were the words of men, but as it were the words of God. Father, you have given us the same word, the same authority, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that Lord, all of us would, Father, understand that these are just not words of men, O Lord, and whatever is not of God this morning, let it just fall to the ground, and let whatever is of you is... Uh, empowered and quickened by your spirit, I pray, Lord Jesus, that it will become a part of us, that you would lead us in the way of everlasting life. To that end, I pray that you would anoint us and teach us your ways. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, yesterday, one of the prayers that we were looking at, if you were there listening, wherever you are, the disciples asked him to teach them to teach them to pray. And of course, Jesus gave a format found in both Gospel according to Luke and Gospel according to Matthew. So we looked at one place. Uh, we'll turn there this morning to Gospel according to Matthew chapter 6 and read from verse 9 onwards. And from there we will study. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And verse 10, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come is the line which is immediately following the line which says, hallowed be your name. You need to understand the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, <clears throat> right? Gospel is just not the gospel of salvation from the penalty of our sin, from the power of sin, from the presence of sin. All that is fine. But the gospel is primarily, it is a gospel of the kingdom of God. That God, in all of it, all of this, all of the um, saving us from the penalty, the power and the presence of sin, is preparing for himself um, a set of people who are, who are subject to him. Right? The gospel of the kingdom, where the king is a sovereign and we are his subjects, right? If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, now again you'll see um, what John the Baptist has to preach. This is what he says. Um, chapter 3 and verse 1 onwards. Yes, 1 and 3, 1 to 3. And Luke's gospel chapter 3, verse 4 to 6. Let's, let's, see, let's the, uh, see these verses. In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. What was he preaching? And saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
for this is who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. So he, he literally became the herald. Uh, he was just a messenger. Messengers preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he said, repent for what is near, the kingdom of God is near. Similarly, the same guy in Luke's gospel chapter 3, verses 4 to 6, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And verse 4 onwards it says, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, saying the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And he adds a few things. He says, make his path straight. Every valley should be filled. Okay, every mountain should be brought low. Every crooked place shall be made straight. And every rough places will be made smooth. And verse 6, and all flesh shall see the salvation. Now he's adding a few more things. Look at the previous verse. He's adding at least uh, five things over there. He says, every valley. Now, now the king is coming to your city. Alright, so... The roads are absolutely messed up. He's got so many potholes. Fill them up and make them level first. So whatever is lacking, fill it up. Okay. Every high mountain, every idea, every rebellious thought, which is trying to block the king from entering into your heart, pull it down. Okay. And if lots of crooked things are there in your life, make them straight. And all the rough patches in your life make them smooth. So that the king can come without any issues where? Into our heart. That's the whole idea of the gospel. The gospel is a gospel of the kingdom of God. So that the king can take his place, his rightful place. We were saying, we sang that. Right? Lord reign in me. Reign in your power over all my dreams, over all my... Uh, uh. So some, sometimes, you know, like uh, A.W. Tozer says, uh, Christians don't speak lies, they sing lies. Really, that's true. No, we... Abadalu, Adamu gane, Abadalu, Pardam, Abba. Enta bhaag Pardam, Abadalu, Chakkaga. No... So many songs that we sing are all lies, basically. I mean, it's since, maybe we, we don't mean it, we are all emotional, we are caught in the act of singing and we are, we completely forget our actual state of, state of our heart. So, um, the crooked places have to be made straight enough. So we sang this song, Lord Rain and Me. The question is, God is sovereign, are we his? Subject. No, that's the, that's broadly the theme that today I'm gonna look at. We need to understand that. The gospel is primarily the gospel of the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Paul says that we are workers. Okay. And we are stewards of what? Of the mysteries of God. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. This is what he's talking about. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So he's saying we are supposed to be the stewards of the mysteries of God. And even those people who are going to be entrusted with leadership and eldership in the church, they also have to be stewards. They have to hold the mysteries of God in a clear conscience. So we are all people who are supposed to be people who are holding the mysteries of God, the revelations of God. But what are these revelations about is a question, right? If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, this is what he says. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10 <clears throat> onwards, okay. When the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Okay, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you, 
to know the what? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So we have kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven being interchangeably used through the gospels and even through the in the uh, through the new, new testament so he says to you is been given the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it is not been given why because they are not interested in to be my what to be my subjects okay what the mysteries are called the mysteries of the kingdom so the revelation is about the revelation of the king the person of the king of jesus christ and what kind of a king he was when he came he was a servant king so we sing that song this is our god our servant king Okay, he came as, he, what's that song? How does it go? He, okay, forget that. No, no, no problem, no problem. And once, one, uh, one stanza says, and therefore let us now learn to serve. Okay, serve, he was, he was a servant king. And then the disciples were saying, one, one to the left and one to the right. He says, the kings of this world exercise authority. They become lords over their flocks, but you are not supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be my kind of kings. Okay, so, um, we, we, we studied that in so many uh, different contexts. So, he is talking about the mysteries are the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. The revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, the king who owns uh, this kingdom, who is the, the, um, the ruler of this kingdom. Therefore, what does a gospel primarily do? If you turn with me to Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, you will see several things that is happening over here. Acts chapter 18, uh, 26 verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, alright, from the power of Satan to power of God, right, again, Colossians chapter 1, and verse 17 if I'm right, Colossians 1, 17, no, verse 13, 13, 13, 13, yeah, Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us, you know, the word convey means conveyor belt, jante ho na? Conveyor belt kya karta hai? Leke transport kar hai. Okay, translated us, transported us literally. He has transported us from the power of darkness or from the authority of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So if the kingdom is the kingdom of his son, who is the king? Son is the king, okay. So he is translitterally translated. That is a gospel. What is a gospel doing? It is taking us away from a kingdom of darkness and translating us into the kingdom of his son. So it's a mystery. That's the and, and the and the mysteries of the of the kingdom are called the I mean so the parables are called the mysteries of the kingdom. Okay, it's supposed to be stewards of the mysteries of God. They are essentially the mysteries of the kingdom and how the kingdom functions. Okay, what are the attributes of the kingdom? We'll talk about those things maybe in the coming days. What about the word of the word of God? What is that called? Okay, it's very interesting. Turn with me to Matthew chapter thirteen, verse. Same, chapter 13, verse 18 onwards. He's explaining to them the parable of the sower. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. You see that everything? So, 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 so clear. So, when you are hearing the word of God, we are essentially hearing what? The word of the kingdom. And when the when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, all those things happen. When, the, when, when anybody hears the word of the kingdom and he's shallow, when the tribulation comes, he just slowly 
easily fades away. When he, anyone hears the word of the kingdom, what happens? The deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, what is the cares of this world. Okay, all these things, what do they do? They choke the what? The word of the kingdom essentially. And therefore he is not able to bear fruit. In other words, he is not able to become a successful subject in the kingdom of God. Okay, see, our, our kingdom is so different from uh, from the kingdoms of this world. You see, um, I, I'm sure you've, if you've remembered, Pastor talk, talked about this, different kinds of, of, of uh, governments. You have monarchy, okay, you have aristocracy, you have oligarchy, you have democracy, etc. Okay, mm, uh, monarchy is, we know, and what is the kingdom of God is, a monarchy. So there are only few kingdoms now which are monarchy kind of kingdoms. You have uh, Bhutan, I think, is the only kingdom, if I'm right, which is a monarchy. Uh, previously, I think Nepal was a monarchy, but now it's become, uh, I think, uh, democracy. Uh, England was a monarchy once upon a time. Now it's only a constitutional monarch. Okay, there are no more monarchs anymore anywhere. You have Swedish kings, you have Spanish kings, all these. There are so many kings, but they are not kings anymore. They are not sovereigns. They are only rubber stamps. Okay, they are not sovereigns in the way sovereigns were in those days. If if you understand, and and what is the, what do you think the kingdom of God is? Monarchy. Okay, this is absolutely a monarchy. So if you understand, if you want to understand what a monarchy is, monarchy has got several attributes. The first attribute is that it is People ruled by one man. Hmm? His will is the law. Okay. He does not have a committee to debate his will. Okay. He declares his will irrespective of what the, if ever there is a committee, whether they think or not, whether they like it or not, he declares it. He doesn't debate it. What does he do? What, what does he do? Declares it. So that is what preaching does. Preaching is not trying to, ah, it is only declaration, ah. See, there are preaching and teaching. What is preaching? We are just coming and pro- declaring, ante. Okay. You have a, pro- a problem with us, you don't argue with us. We are only messengers. You have a problem with us, you have a problem with the monarch, not with us. So, he has, he declares his will. He doesn't debate his will, he declares his will. So we have all these debates and I, I, have, no, I have no problem with debates. I don't have any issues at all with debates. But what we need is authority. I'll tell you something, really, 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 so, so important for us. We pray for that, pray for that authority over our lives, that we have authority, okay? Okay, he has a job of ruling and reigning. You know why? Because he inherits it. Okay, he has not been elected, in other words. He has not been elected king, he has been, he has inherited the kingdom. Therefore, he is king because he is the father who is a king. Very simple, okay. Chakravarti hai, unke, unke pitaji, oh bhi chakravarti hai. Okay. There is certainly no opposition. Okay. He does not need a cabinet. He might have a cabinet to help with the governing in the kingdom, but he does not need it. So the cabinet essentially is an extension of the of the government, of, of his kingship. Like for example, in the, in the, in media and Persia, they get letters in term, in the name of the king and the, with the king's seal, right? So people do those laws and once the king puts his stamp, that's it, it's a done deal. Nobody can revert it. Now if an earthly king has wielded so much of power and authority, how much more? The heavenly king. Hmm? 
There is certainly no opposition. He is not in that position because of a vote. We already looked at that. Nor can anybody vote him out of that place. We don't want him. That's what they said in Luke's Gospel chapter 19, right? We don't want, no, occupy till I come, concert chapter 20, I guess, right? Huh, Luke 20, you don't have to turn there. He says, uh, there, were a, uh, there was a man who went to buy, get a king, uh, kingdom for himself and then people said, we said, we don't want this fellow to be a king over us. Hmm. So, he is, he, nobody can vote him out of uh, being a king. And you remember, when he comes back, he asks the parable of the minors, he asks them for an account after he rewards them. You know what he says, bring those fellows who did not want me to be uh, uh, they are rulers and, and you know the uh, you know the story. So nobody can vote him out of power. <laughs> okay, all these things, this is essentially what the Nijanga Raja, Chakravarte and Chakravarte, they are all fighting for their positions and seats. But this Chakravarti is Chakravarti overall. But the problem, but the, not a problem, but this is something very interesting, you know. Kingdom, this kingdom is however incomplete without something. Excuse me? Exactly. This kingdom is incomplete without subjects who are willingly and lovingly are loyal and subject to the king. So, the gospel therefore is a gospel of the kingdom and its ultimate purpose is to make what? Willing subjects. Alright. So, we like the, we like the gospel who which says, you know, um, I'm going to save you from your sin. You don't have to pay for your sin. We like that. But we do we like the gospel which calls us to become what? Subjects. Our essential struggle is that we want God to be sovereign in our lives. Sovereign matlab? What do I mean by that? Lord, I don't have a job. Give me a job. Somehow, sovereignly. Your word says the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. You can turn it whichever way it goes. And please, Lord, sovereignly interfere and open this door for me. Hmm? Lord, I am sick. I am not well. Please, Lord, sovereignly interfere, interfere into my situation and heal me. Fantastic. And therefore, we have what we call as healing festivals. <laughs> it is interesting that there's never been a healing festival in the Bible. There's nothing called this healing festival. There was gospel, gospel being preached. The apostles preached the apostles' doctrine, and after all the doctrine is is done, what it says, signs and wonders were done among the uh, apostles. Okay, by the apostles and among the apostles, there was never called a healing festival. Please come, there will be a healing meeting. No, we will pray for your healing if you have anything. Nothing of that sort. There was a preaching of the word of God. There was a declaration of the of the manifesto of the kingdom. And people who willingly submitted to that were delivered. Simple. Alright. So our essential struggle is that. What do we want? We want God to be sovereign. I am going through this difficult situation. Lord God sovereignly. I know I am in love with this girl. Lord do sovereignly touch her heart. Make her love me. Etc. Intervene. But God says. Okay. I am willing to be that kind of a sovereign. But are you willing to be my subject? Maybe God is asking this question to many of us. Why do you expect me to act as a sovereign or as a king in your life if you are not willing to be my subjects? 
One man of God said this, a fallen man desires the sovereignty of God without becoming a subject. That's what the fallen man desires. We, ca- we carry the same kind of attitude everywhere, isn't it? We ask the government what what? For free water, free education, free health care, free this. But who's going to pay for it? Can we have a discussion as to how we can uh, we can fund this project? Ah, no, 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 no. Responsibility we don't want. We want our Lal Salam, Lal Salam, Inkalab, Zindabad, etc, etc, etc. Lal Salam kya hota hai? Lal ko salam. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what it means. Lal ko sahib hai, communist. Everybody talks about what? Rights, privileges, but nobody talks about responsibility. Fundamental right. Fundamental responsibilities. Did you ever, do you ever remember the fundamental responsibilities in your civics class? No, 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 no. We don't remember those things, but we remember all the fundamental rights. Right to freedom of religion, right to freedom of speech, right to this, right to that. Oh, fantastic. But what about your responsibility? We like sovereignty of God, but we don't like to become subjects of the king. That is our essential fundamental problem. And so when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What are we saying? Lord, you be our sovereign and let you also be, let us also be your subject. Because your will should be done where? First, in my life. That is the reason why he says, if anyone wills to do his will, then he will know. Whether my doctrine is of my own, am I speaking of my own authority or am I speaking from God? So let me give you an example of how this is, okay, from the Bible as to how people fight this uh, thing where God, they want God to sovereignly interfere in their situations, but they never want to come become subject to their authority. For example, you, you see, it, it, it happens, it happened right from the beginning. For ex- remember, um, we'll, we'll come to that later on. Let's turn to... Uh, Luke's, Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to look at two passages here. Matthew chapter 8. And verse uh, 1 onwards. Yeah. Matthew chapter 8 verse 1 onwards. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. We'll, we'll read from one onwards. Okay? And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean if you are willing you can make me clean so let me give you a, so let me give you a context for this for this particular miracle just before this miracle jesus was on the mountain what was he doing on the mountain he was preaching the sermon on the mountain he was giving this fantastic manifesto of the kingdom of god all right he was speaking not about the letter of the law he was giving the spirit behind the law and people were stunned and astonished at his doctrine because he was speaking like the one with authority and not like the scribes and the pharisees or wonder what the scribes and pharisees were teaching okay maybe we can we can we don't have to wonder so much because so many people preach like that okay anyway these days so he gives this fantastic manifesto he upholds the truth of god the truth of god but he's a God just not full of truth, is also full of grace. So he comes down and the first thing what happens is he encounters a leper. Now if you look at the whole thing, the gospel according to Matthew is introducing Jesus as who? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the king. Okay. 
That's essentially what the, 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 the gospel according to Matthew is doing. He's est- establishing the kingship or the messianic Judaic line of Jesus the King, uh, Jesus the Messiah, that he's going to be the son of David, who's supposed to be ruling on the throne of David. So behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And you know what God does? He interferes into his life sovereignly. Jesus put out his hand. And touched him. And you know what he said? I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So what is the lep- what is a what is leprosy a symbol of? Sin is very, very uh, uh, very what do you say, a shallow word, I would say. If you look at the entire Bible, like leprosy is just not a symbol of sin, it is a symbol of something, huh? Rebellion, yes. It was a rebel, basically. Sin is a symbol, leprosy particularly is a symbol of rebellion. You'll see that even in Uzziah's life. The moment he rebelled against the ordinance of God, leprosy struck him and he was, it happened even with, uh, uh, with, uh, what's her name, uh, Mariam. Sent out of the camp. Very strange um, passages of scripture. So, leprosy is a symbol of that. That is a symbol of sin, symbol of rebellion, whatever you want to call it. And Jesus said, something immediately he said. Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one. Now that you got cleansed, don't tell tell it to anybody, first thing. Go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So what am I asking you now? Now that I have solemnly interfered into your life, what am I asking you to become? My subject. That is what he was asking him to become. And what does this fellow do? Mark's gospel now. We'll go back to Matthew, okay? Chapter 8. Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verse 40. Onwards, okay. Now a leper came imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Ante, naaku, naaku ishtame, naak chittame, ninnu shuddhi jala unta naak ishtame naaku. Enje saadu, he mutti swasthaparchad anta. Ante, he literally touched a leper. Okay. He interfered sovereignly. Nobody did it. Because, simply because they thought that the leprosy would cling to him. What they, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to be people who are ostracized in society and they were supposed to shout out what? Unclean, unclean. And he says, I'm willing to be cleansed. And look at what it says. Be cleansed. As soon as he has spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he, and he was cleansed. And verse 43, look, look at the construction here. He strictly warned him and sent him away at once, saying, verse 44, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go your way, show yourself to the priest, offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Verse 45. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly entered the city but was outside in the deserted places and they came to him from every direction. So what has happened? This fellow, he is no longer willing to be a subject. In fact, he became a hindrance to the kingdom of God. See? Nobody wants to 
come under his subjection. That's the problem. That's a struggle with many of us. So what we do is, we get a healing and we say, you know, Jesus heals, Jesus heals, Jesus heals, but never, ever, ever come down, sit at his feet and learn from him. See, the ultimate purpose of a sign is to make you a disciple. From whom seven demons left. Where is she? Luke's Gospel chapter 10 verse 44. Verse 40, in fact. Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And the next verse, Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you're troubled with so many things, but one thing is needed to sit at my feet. That is what is needed to sit at my feet and learn from me. That is what a disciple does. What do I want? Lord, I am want to become your what? Your subject. See, she experienced a tremendous miracle in her life. And that's what I love about, you know, sometimes um, women teach a lot of lessons for us. If you see, you go to any church. I mean, our church is kind of at least 50-50, I would say. Maybe men are more than women, I don't know. But if you go to any church, any meeting, by default, more women, less men. It's 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 the default norm I've seen. Maybe I can extrapolate it to every meeting. At least in India. I'm not sure if it is, if it is, if that's the case abroad. But here in India, you go to any meeting, by default you'll find women. That's a, that's something which we need to really, really take heart. So, everybody wants to ask God to sovereignly act on his behalf, but not, not many people want to become his subjects. So look at what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 onwards. Yeah, what does it say? Not everyone who says to me, not just Lord, 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 double, under that is an, that means I've literally come, I mean, I'm saying, Lord, you, I am your disciple, period. Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see that? Isn't it interesting? You're saying, Lord, Lord, and you are not about the not a part of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you do not do the will of my Father which is in heaven. The will which is a manifest of the kingdom, the government of the kingdom, which makes you a citizen of the kingdom of God, has not become a part of you. See, in unlike any other system of government governance, even if it's a king, how many people in a kingdom know the king personally? None. I mean, have you, I, I mean, I haven't even voted for our current prime minister. That's okay. That's besides the point. But nobody has, Delhi is our capital. Nobody goes to Delhi. Hardly we go to Delhi. Right? But in Christianity, everybody should know the king personally. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. That is the reason why in Galatians says, you have been known by God. Not only that you have, you, are, you not only know God, you have been known by God. So why are you subjecting yourselves to these weak and beggarly elements? Okay. So this is a, that is, that's a difference between any other earthly kingdom and the kingdom of God where king personally knows every subject. Which king knows Baba? No king knows. He doesn't know. No, and in fact, no, um, CEO or of a company knows, uh, the managers under him for sure. 
ही नोज ओनली द इमीडिएट पीपल उसके अंदर कौन कौन है किसी को भी नहीं मालूम हरार की इन द किंगडम ऑफ गॉड इज कंप्लीटली टोटली डिफरेंट एवरीबडी हैज गॉट एक्सेस टू द किंग दैट इज वॉट इज सेज इन द न्यू कवनेंट आई एम गोट मेक अ न्यू कवनेंट विद हाउस ऑफ इसराइल नो बडी विल टीच इज नेबर वॉट नो हिम हा एवरीबडी विल नो हिम फ्रॉम द लीस्ट टू दिल्डस्ट ओके सो दैट्स द किंगडम सो वॉट यू से लॉर्ड लॉर्ड एंड यू डू नॉट डू द विल ऑफ माई फादर एंड इन वर्स वर्स ट्वेंटी टू एंड लुक एट वॉट यू सेज मेनी विल से टू मी एन दट डे लॉर्ड लॉर्ड हैव यू नॉट प्रोफेसाइड इन योर नेम cast out demons in your name and have done many wonders in your name did they have authority who oh, yeah they did at least in the name of jesus they did that did all this but one thing he says i declare to them i do not you know i don't even say i never knew you who are you fellows depart from me you who practice lawlessness that's remarkable isn't it isn't it it says in 1 john chapter 3 he says he who practices lawlessness is of the devil and he who practices righteousness is of god whoever is born of god practices righteousness whoever is born of the devil practices lawlessness and these are the people who are wielding authority can doing all kinds of wonders in his name but one thing god says you are people of what who practice lawlessness absolutely your heart is far can this happen oh yeah it can i mean i would i would say um uh, have you not prophesied in your name have have i not cast demons cast out demons in your name have i not done many wonders in your name have i not written chapters of bible in your name who is that person who wrote chapters of bible in his name excuse me solomon yeah proverbs and ecclesiastes and prasangi and song of songs and where is he i don't know lot of people are in a hurry to put solomon into heaven i don't know it says in when he was old his wives turned his heart away from the lord and it never says that solomon repented david definitely repented manasseh also repented that is it says solomon he repented he went to the presence of the lord and he wept and he cried and said lord let's let restore unto me my joy of your joy of salvation nothing of that sort so i don't know where he is the same guy who said don't be uh, attracted by immoral woman got messed up in his life Yesterday, pastor said something very interesting. Anyway, so we'll move on. Okay, and 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 look, Luke's Gospel, chapter six and verse forty-six. Also, you can see this. Same thing. But why do you call me, Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? And how do I know that I'm doing His things? He says, verse forty-seven. Whoever comes to me, hears my saying, and does them i will show you whom he is like you know who is the whom whom he is like he is like a man building a house what does he do he dug deep laid the foundation on the rock who's doing all this the man this is hard work and when the flood arose the stream came vehemently against him could not shake the house for it was founded on the rock you see that so if you hear the words of the lord and you do not build a house upon that rock on of repentance and deep repentance huh, you can call him lord lord you are not his subject 
Yes, people want God to be sovereign in their lives, but will never be, never want to, uh, you know, they struggle to become his subjects. And look at another example. Okay, look at another example. John's Gospel, chapter 6. Verse 11 onwards. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Now, this is a tremendous miracle. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, filled the twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And then... Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this truly is the prophet who has come into the world. Stop there. No, question is, who is this prophet? The prophet? Where is he prophesied? Everybody is looking at my face like that. You've already been 29 days of class, Baba. 30 days of class. Where is this the prophet prophesied? Ah, Deuteronomy chapter 18. Yo, yo, yo. Let us read from verse 15 onwards. Why did the prophet come? What was he sent? Not to multiply bread, something else. What does it say? The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And they say, according to all you desired of the Lord, your God, in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, let me not see this great fire anymore, lest I die. So you remember in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, don't have to turn there, it says, don't be afraid, the Lord has got, the Lord your God has come to test you, to prove you, to see, to, to ensure that your fear will be, his fear will be in you, so that you may not sin against God. And you saw this tremendous fire, you could not, uh, you know, understand, you cannot handle this law. You see, when the law comes home, when the law comes in its totality, you cannot handle it. Okay. You cannot handle it. It's, when the Lord comes, it's like it's like a weight. Okay. I, I often give, give this example, no? Um, um, in Canada, during those, uh, during the cold months, right, the lakes freeze completely. So there's like a thick layer of ice. So sport, one of the sports people play, I don't know how much it is true. They take their SUVs and of course with their all-season tires and they drift on the ice. Okay, that becomes really a, a sport for them. But just imagine something heavy falls on it. You know what happens? The cracks begin to show. Heavy. Something huge, heavy rock falls on it. The whole cracks begin to show. And now what you thought was absolutely a smooth terrain becomes a completely shattered terrain. You are scared now. It's like it's like a weight coming and showing an earthquake. Okay. It shows that the ground that you're standing on is absolutely uncertain. That's exactly what happens when an earthquake comes. Everything just splits open. So when law came, you know, it didn't come just normally. 
It's thunders and lightnings and earthquakes. I think it came with, he, uh, I, I'm sure it says the law was given by angels, right? It says in Hebrews, when the ministry of the angels uh, proved to be so much, so much, so much, how much more it, it, it will be with the, uh, in the new covenant. I mean, the comparison is made. The thing is, when the law came, it came with such power because that's all, it was a law of God. The glory of God literally showed up and people couldn't handle it. So what did they, what did they say? Moses, you go, we will stay afar. So, so Jesus did the same thing. He came now. Let me not hear the voice. So this is what he's saying. Let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And then verse 18, verse 17, the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And what will I do? I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And then, and it shall be that whoever will hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Whoever does not hear or will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it from him. So what am I going to do? I understood that these people are not able to handle the law. So I'm going to send Jesus full of what? Grace and truth. And he is going to speak to them my words which I'm going to put them put, put it in my in their mouth so that they will accept me as their what? As their king. That's the whole idea. You remember when um, when they asked for a king according to the nations, uh, what, what does God say? They have not rejected you. They have rejected me from being a king over their lives. That's exactly what they rejected him. So if you see, you cannot accept the king unless you have accepted his word. That's the whole idea over here. So what, what would they want, want him to do now? So what did God want to do? He said, I'm going to send Jesus and he's going to speak my words. Once they hear him and accept him, I will become their king. That was the whole purpose of the prophet. Now look, let's go back to John's gospel chapter 6 now. Verse 14. What does it say? Just read verse 14. So then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, what did they say? This truly is the prophet who has come into the world. Okay. They saw the sign. They didn't hear anything. They just saw the sign. And they said, this is the prophet. The next verse, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to take him by force to make him what? King. He left alone. He didn't want them to be a king so that because they saw a what? A sign. Now, next, what is he going to do? Those people will start searching for him. No, they'll go left and right everywhere. And in John's Gospel chapter uh, um, 6 also, and before we go there, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 21 and 22 also, there's something uh, something very interesting happens. Four, verse 21 and 22. Going on from there, 14, sorry. Sorry, 14. Now those who were eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him onto the other side while he sends the multitudes away. Other places will say he dismissed the crowds and he sent, and he sent his disciples also because they are all getting excited now. Miracle Yudangana under full excitement. Okay. He'll be pastor, I will become assistant pastor, twelve assistant pastors, we'll all be lords over the people. He will be king, we will be the cabinet. That's what they thought. 
Jesus said, please leave. Okay. I don't want this to get into hell. And he said, I also don't want this to get into my own head also. I will go alone and I'll pray. And then what happens in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 onwards. This is what, what happens. <clears throat> Sorry, John's gospel. John 6 verse 24 on. John 6 verse 24 onwards. So when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Okay. So what are they doing now? They are following Jesus. No, they want to forcibly make him the king. No, he says, okay, fine. I know that you guys like to be to be... Uh, me to be your sovereign, but the point is, would you like to be my subjects? I want to see whether you like to be my subjects or not. What did actually do? You said, okay, fine. Uh, this is the prophet. Okay, I agree that I am that prophet. But what was the prophet supposed to bring? He's supposed to bring the what? The words of God. And if you do not hear those words, I will require them of you. So let me see. Let me open up my mouth. And he started teaching. Don't labor for bread that bread that perishes, but labor for the bread that will not perish, that will lead to eternal life. I am the bread unless you eat of my flesh and you drink of my blood. The teaching got harder and harder and harder and harder. So much so they started murmuring and complaining. If you look at the chapter, they're full of murmuring and full of complaining. So much so the disciples also started murmuring and complaining. And you'll see that verse 60. Actually. Actually, verse 26 and then verse 60. Let's see verse 26. <laughs> Look at what he says. Jesus knows their heart. No? Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, verily, verily, I say to you, you do not seek me uh, because you saw the signs, because you ate of the loaves and are full. Now you want communist party now. Okay? You want lal salam. Hmm? I am not going to become communist party. I am neither communist, I am not capitalist. I am neither. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard the teaching, said, This is a hard teaching. Who can understand it? And then Jesus says, Do you? Does this offend you? Oh, now becoming subject to me offends you. Huh? Offends you. Sovereign sabko, sabko macha lag raha hai. Subject pala part ko kisi ko bhi achha lag raha hai. Sabbi ko power chahiye. But coming under authority, nahi chahiye. Verse 66. From that time onwards, many disciples went back and walked with him no more. So even the disciples struggled with what? Becoming subjects of the sovereign. See, that is the point, no? The test for all of us if you have truly responded to the gospel, is to realize that we have been born again into the kingdom of God. Unless you are born from above or unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. So we have entered into what? A kingdom of God. When we are desiring the pure milk of the word of God, we are desiring the pure milk of the manifesto of the kingdom of God. Understanding the king and his commands. Not just his commands. Understanding the king. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths so that I may know you. That is the whole idea. Okay? 
That's a, that's a struggle with all of us. All of us struggle in different levels. Subjection, it's, it's something which is contrary to our flesh. That is the reason why it says, those who are of the flesh, the carnal mind is in enmity against God. It cannot subject itself to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. And therefore, whoever is in the flesh cannot please God. So what happens here in order to be, in order to really be subject to this kingdom, to become a subject to this kingdom, you should be born of the spirit and not of the flesh. It's a total spiritual kingdom. Eventually it is going to become a kingdom with, with, with matter. But as of now, here in this now, now, now time, it is a kingdom which is in the spirit. So, what does, what, what does, what happens when you, um, become the subject of the king? What, what happens? How does he make us into his subjects after we born again, after we are born again? There's several things which I'm going to talk about, which we learned it in so many contexts, but we are just, uh, revising them over and over again, just to make it a part of our lives. So, there are several, seven, at least seven things. Uh, in this whole process of becoming a subject. Okay. First part, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 36. Acts 2 verse 36. Acts chapter 2 verse 36. No, Acts chapter 36 is not there. So if you are searching for Acts chapter 36, you need deliverance. Okay. Chapter 2 verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Okay. And then let's go on. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, what? Repent. Okay. First, okay, what we need to do in order to become a part of the kingdom is to, we have to hear the message of repentance and repent. Message of repentance, Vinitravata, Repentava, and the Marumanasu Sandeshan Vini, Marumanasavandar. That's a remarkable thing. You listen, I mean, if the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, if, if it's an anointed word, what does, what does it say? When the Holy Spirit comes, it convicts first. Therefore, when the message comes with, with power and unction and authority, what it does, it, it, convicts you. That's exactly what happens here. They were pricked to their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? First, they have to repent. This is a daily process we looked at in so many contexts. Second, it says, uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 40 and 40, 40 onwards. Okay. And, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation, then those who received this word, how? Gladly. Okay. If I come, okay, if you're not, if I don't become a part of this kingdom, you're going to send me to hell. Okay, somehow I will come. I don't like to be a part of this, but I'll come. It's Atlanta Popularico. Okay. So this is essentially saying you gladly receive the word. What do you have to do? Those people who gladly receive the word were baptized. First you hear the words of repentance, a message of repentance. What does that mean? You know something? You deserve to die. But God showed mercy. 
అది మెసేజ్ దట్ ఇస్ ఎగ్జాక్ట్లీ హౌ ఐ గాట్ కన్వర్టెడ్ విజయ్ యు రెబెల్ రైట్ ఇన్ ఫ్రంట్ ఆఫ్ మై ఐ నో దట్ లేడీ వాస్ సింగ్ సమ్ ఆఫ్ యూ యు ఆల్ రెబెల్స్ గాడ్స్ వర్డ్స్ ఇస్ ఇఫ్ యూ డు నాట్ ఆనర్ యువర్ ఫాదర్ అండ్ మదర్ ఐ మీన్ ఇఫ్ యూ ఆనర్ యువర్ ఫాదర్ అండ్ మదర్ యూ విల్ లివ్ లాంగ్ ఇఫ్ యూ డు నాట్ ఆనర్ యువర్ ఫాదర్ అండ్ మదర్ ఆపోజిట్ అండి యూ విల్ డై అండ్ షీ లుక్ ఆల్ ఆఫ్ ఫర్ షీ సెట్ యూర్ ఆల్ లివింగ్ ఆన్ బోర్ టైమ్ అది ఎప్పుడు నేను వెళ్ళాను నా జీవితంలో ఐ నెవర్ హర్డ్ ఎనిథింగ్ లైక్ దట్ బిఫోర్ అండ్ షీ వాస్ లుకింగ్ అట్ మీ యాజ్ షీ వాస్ స్పీకింగ్ టు మీ లైక్ లుక్ దట్ ఇస్ ఇట్ అండ్ రిపెంటెడ్ కన్విక్టెడ్ అండ్ రిపెంటెడ్ షీ డింట్ ఓన్లీ స్కేరస్ but she came to i mean that lady i can never forget i don't know where she is now though but you know she said she the holy spirit god is there to convict you but also god also brings the message of forgiveness he is willing to forgive you and cleanse you and that is when we repented this jesus whom you crucified you know what happened he took your sin on that cross what his days were short cut short right exactly what happened right that's exactly what isaiah chapter 53 says his days were cut short and who will declare his what ayyo marchipoyara meeru ha generations exactly isaiah 53 who will declare his generations he was cut off from the land of the living he was cut off in the prime of his life he was cut off his days were shortened because he took your sin he took your punishment on the cross you were supposed to die he died in his place he took your rebellion he took your shame he took your guilt on the cross he became a sin he didn't commit sin but he became sin so that was a that was a message that every one of us has to listen has to hear oh no 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 god understands no 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 you were a rebel you supposed to die god has forgiven you idi point idi gospel any other thing is not the gospel you were a rebel you are supposed to die god has shown you mercy oh thank you scare you and love you if this is not happening first uphold the truth and then show grace you know nowadays we don't do that we don't uphold the standards of god that is the reason why it's all unjust scales and balances message from the pulpit has become an unjust scale my dear brothers unjust scale a stone which is false where people don't understand that they have been weighed and they have found what wanting they don't know that they have been weighed in the balances and they have found wanting but you know when people come and say you have been weighed and found wanting you know there are some people like fools like belteshazzar who will come and garland the prophet and they will die in their sins but they will never repent so repentance is so important so people who gladly receive what did they do they got baptized you know what that baptism means we know it with so many contexts i was supposed to die in your place but you took my place okay you not only took my place i was supposed to be eternally condemned but because i believed in you you rose me also from the dead now i can have what what life eternal life living he loved me dying he saved me 
Buried he took my sins far away. Rising he justified freed me forever. One day is coming back. Oh glorious day. One song which is fantastic. And then modern day hymns. Modern day choruses. Okay, though, gladly received those. So what is it? First, first is a baptism of, what is a message of repentance has to be preached. Second, he says, be saved from this perverse generation. I told you. What is generation? Genome, which is messed up. It is perverted. It is mixed. The gene pool of this generation has been mixed. Come out of this nonsense and have a gene pool of God. A genome of God. And God is going to give you that. It's pure. You will be born again of the word of God. The pure truth of the word of God. That will become a seed and that will become your life. And you know what people said? Oh my goodness. This message is too good to be true now. Yes, if you are a part of this generation, we know that sin is flowing in our veins. Our genes were messed up genes. We are literally a generation of vipers. They gladly received that message. And when those people who gladly received the word, were baptized. So, repent and then be baptized. You know, this is process of baptism, Baba. No other thing is baptism. It was a public bath. That is the reason why it says in, turn with me to uh, First Peter, Chapter 3, look at this beautiful verse in First Peter chapter 3. And verse 21, okay, 20 and 21, 20 and 21, 20 and 21. Who formerly were disobedient, who are, the, who are, who are we? We hmm, were also formalities. When once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in, a, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. And then verse 21. This also is an anti-type which saves us. What is that? Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a what conscience? Of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And verse 22 is powerful. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, who was who also has gone into the heavens, is at the right hand of the of, of God, angels, authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So what has happened? An answer of a good conscience towards God. It's amazing, right? The answer of a clear conscience towards God. I remember that day. It's a subjective thing. When you know that your conscience is clear with God and man. You're, you're, there is nothing to defile in your conscience. You, it's like, you know, you, you definitely most of the times, most of the times when genuine repentance has taken place, it's not necessarily that tears have to always accompany repentance, but most of the time, 90% of the case, but I wept. I don't know, people have wept, I don't know. Peter wept, I also wept, okay. Um, I don't know if Paul wept, I'm not sure, but I wept for sure, okay. Everybody who literally, literally had this conviction of the Holy Spirit, and have understood that they deserved hell, and they've experienced the love of God, they will weep. I mean, I was, those days I was weeping and weeping and weeping for three, two, three days I was weeping. My parents used to look at me and say, Baba, what is wrong with this fellow? Why is he weeping so much? It was like literally, the, I've experienced, I said, Lord, so much I sinned against you, Lord, and how much more mercy you've showed me. And you know what has happened? That my conscience was being cleared. All the guilt was being removed, was being washed and washed and washed. And what is happening? An answer of a clear conscience towards God. And that's exactly what it says, you know. It says in uh, Hebrews, it says, how much more the blood of Jesus will 
Purge your conscience from what works? From dead works. Purge your conscience. Those days, the day of atonement, you know what the day of atonement, you know what was the, what was the ordinance for the day of atonement? When you are being atoned for your sin, turn with me to Luke's Gospel chapter 16. I'll show you what, what the day of atonement was, what were you required to be doing on the day of atonement. Okay? Then you'll understand why I'm saying this. Leviticus chapter 16. Excuse me. It's very interesting that uh, the day of atonement comes after the two chapters on what? On leprosy. It's very interesting. Two chapters, full chapters on leprosy. How to handle leprosy. Laborious. There were so many lessons to be learned over there. And, uh, uh, wait. Uh, chapter uh, 16. Uh, verse 29. Yeah, 29 onwards. Look at this. <laughs> this is the day of atonement. This is, this shall be a statute forever. This is on the day of atonement when the high priest goes into the most holy place once in a year and he doesn't even see the mercy seat, by the way. Because if he sees the mercy seat without the incense, cloud of incense covering the altar of, uh, I mean, the, the mercy seat, he would die. This shall be a statute forever in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month that you shall what? Afflict your souls. You shall do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. And then, for on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you and you shall afflict your souls on that day. In other words, on that day you are supposed to cry. It's a command to cry. So, just imagine the spirit of the, the letter of the law. All right, tomorrow is atonement day. You should cry. In fact, if people do not cry, turn with me to, uh, yeah, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, 2022 of Leviticus, if I'm right. Oh, sorry, 23, 23, right? Feast of the Lord. Hmm? 23 and verse 26 onwards. It's remarkable. <laughs> One day we wish you 23 and verse 26 onwards. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And then, and you shall do no work on that day. For it is a day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day shall be <laughs> cut off from the people of, from his people. And when I mean, I read this, I actually have to laugh. Let's finish that, okay? Let's finish the thought. If I'm right, yeah? And verse 30. And any person who does any work on the same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout all your generations in all your dwellings. 31. I think that's it. That's it. 32. Is there anything else? It shall be to, yeah, yeah. It shall be to your Sabbath of solemn rest and you shall afflict your souls on the ninth day of the month of the evening from evening to evening you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So you, you know what he says? That day you should cry. You should afflict. You should mourn. So, so think about it. The day of atonement is coming tomorrow. 
Seventh day, tenth month, tenth month, seventh day, right? Seventh, uh, seventh month, tenth day. Hmm? And tomorrow is day of atonement. Hare, tomorrow day of atonement. We have to afflict our souls. We have to cry. That's exactly what Jewish people do these days. It's called Yom Kippur, day of atonement. Oh, we have to fast. We have to uh, repent. How can you repent unless who gives you repentance? God has to give you repentance. How can you afflict your souls without conviction? It's a, it's a, it's a command to cry, in other words. Because affliction of soul in, sometimes involves tears. Can anybody force tears? Genuine tears, I'm saying. Tears of genuine repentance. You see the spirit of the law and the letter of the law? It's so different. Okay, so first you repent and you be baptized and third it says you receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what is it? It's a command also. I, I remember Derek Prince's wife, right? One thing that she would go and ask people, no? did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Etc, etc, etc. That's exactly what happens to uh, Peter and uh, I think John, if I'm right. Uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you did, when you believed? No, we haven't even heard anything like the Holy Spirit. No, nowadays we don't even want to talk about that. It's a, a non-kosher doctrine. And we are all believers. In Namacha. Okay. And then... Verse 3, Varkanti, they studied, they repented of their sins, they accepted the message that to be saved from this perverse generation, that their entire genome was messed up, they wanted to have a fresh, <laughs> new genes of God, which has been, we are being, so that we are being, uh, that, that, uh, in that we are born again by not corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, not by lies, but of truth. And now we have become people who have, uh, accepted that message, we have gone into the waters of baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit and what do we do next? Verse 4, you cont- verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, we know that, yesterday we looked at it, they continued, what is that? Manifesto of the kingdom. They continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. Now we have been born again into the kingdom. We received a new citizenship and you know what? We want to go to citizenship classes. Those in, 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 uh, in the other countries, first you go to citizenship classes and then you become a citizen. Here it is other way. First you become a citizen and you know the citizenship classes. It's amazing. Whole thing is upside down in our, in our system. It's like this, no? When you're, if you are born in India, you are born in India, anybody should teach you citizen, you are hey, not a citizen, Ray. nobody will say, if you are born of Indian parents and if you are both of Indian parents of Indian passports, nobody will say you should learn, uh, unless and until you learn the manifesto of the, of the country of India, even if you are born in India, we are not considering you as an Indian citizen, does that happen? No, first Jesus brings us out of this world and then teaches us what? His manifesto. That's exactly what he did. What did he do? He brought the children of Israel out of the wilderness through the Red Sea. They were baptized into Moses. They were baptized in the cloud and in the Red Sea. Came on to the other side. Went to Mount Sinai. Once they became the children of God, you know what God said? Now, get the manifesto. That is where struggle begins. 
ఎక్కడ బిగిన్ అవుతుంది ద స్ట్రగల్ బిగిన్స్ వన్స్ యూ రిసీవ్ ద మేనిఫెస్టో ఆల్ దిస్ ఇస్ ఫెంటాస్టిక్ ద గ్రేట్ ఓ ఐ హ్ బిన్ ఐ ఐ కేమ్ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ దిస్ గాడ్ ఫర్ గేమ్ మై సిన్ ఐ ఎంజాయింగ్ దిస్ న్యూ గుయి గుయి ఫీలింగ్ నో రిమెంబర్ దట్ రైట్ ద ఫిల్మ్ వెన్ యు ఆర్ ఎ యంగ్ గై ఎస్పెషల్లీ వెన్ యు గాట్ వెన్ యు రిపెంటెడ్ ఆఫ్ యువర్ సిన్స్ ఫర్ ద ఫస్ట్ టైం యువర్ ఫేస్ ఇస్ షైనింగ్ యూ చిల్డ్రన్ యువర్ ఫ్రెండ్స్ ఆర్ లుకింగ్ అట్ యూ అండ్ సేయింగ్ విజయ్ వాట్ ఇస్ హ్యాపెనింగ్ టు యూర్ యువర్ ఫేస్ లుక్ సో డిఫరెంట్ ఇట్స్ లుకింగ్ సో రేడియంట్ ఐమ్ సో యా ఆఫ్ కేస్ ఆఫ్ కోర్స్ మై హార్ట్ ఇస్ క్రైట్ విత్ గాడ్ వాట్ ఎల్స్ డూ ఐ నీడ్ అండ్ దెన్ వాట్ హ్యాపెన్స్ స్లోలీ డాక్టర్ స్టార్ట్స్ కమింగ్ అక్కడ దెన్ స్టార్ట్ స్ట్రగుల్ జస్ట్ నాట్ దే గ్యాదర్ టు ద అపోజిట్ డాక్టర్ కాదు దే కంటిన్యూడ్ స్టెడ్ ఫస్ట్లీ దే డివోటెడ్ దిస్ దెమ్ సెల్స్ కంటిన్యూలీ అదర్ ట్రాన్స్లేషన్స్ డివోటెడ్ దెమ్ సెల్స్ దట్ ఈస్ ద డిఫికల్ట్ పార్ట్ ఆన్ ఈగల్స్ వింగ్స్ ఇస్ గ్రేట్ రన్నింగ్ ఇస్ ఓకే నౌ వాకింగ్ ఇస్ ద డిఫికల్ట్ పార్ట్ that is steadfastness receive the holy spirit continued steadfastly now where what happens yes 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 what have what have done i have sovereignly come into your life and i have cleansed you of your sin i made you born again into my kingdom now i am going to give you my manifesto i want to see whether you will walk in my ways or not so what happened look at the next verse in the in breaking of bread and prayers and what happened was 43 fear came upon every soul i like that so we had they repented they got baptized they received the holy spirit they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine fellowship breaking of bread and prayers and then the, the result of that was what fear of god so what is that why this fear of god over here why fear every test from now on god is going to do you know is what he's going to do he'll teach us doctrine he will test us he will teach he will test that's exactly what he did to the apostles he will teach him and he will test them he will teach them and he will test them okay he will teach them and he will test them that's exactly what he does to all of us he teaches and tests every test god allows in our lives is to see whether we have truly accepted his authority or accepted to become his subjects voluntary or not is a point all of us will be tested to see how much of subjection is there in our heart first it will be starting it will start with little little things god is not going to give you huge commands because once we are born again there are two natures inside of us the old nature and the new nature the old nature is enmity against god against god and the new nature wants to be subject to god so there's one nature which hates the law old man and the new nature which loves to be subject and there's a struggle between the two so the whole idea of testing is which is that nature which is there inside of you truly whether you will truly fear him or not reverence him or not or keep his commandments or not for example we look at this from the old covenant there's a first person who got tested we know that uh, adam and eve also got tested okay um 
the believers, I mean, if you want to look at the father of, I mean, the believers of, after being born again, Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was also tested. Okay. But his ultimate test was in Genesis chapter 22. Just read verse 1. Just verse. <clears throat> now it came to pass that after these things, that God tested Abraham. Okay, there's a very interesting word which comes from the Hebrew word Nasa, which means to see what is in his heart. Okay. And you know the story. I'm not going to go into the details. And then verse uh, 22 and sorry. Yeah, verse 12. Verse 11 and 12. 11 and 12. Okay, but the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear. Because why? Since you have not withheld your only son from me. So first thing, that's a very simple test. So many lessons we have learned. So God tests. So he will test all of us. If he has tested Abraham, he will test us also. No, by the way, this is the test after God gives him the new name. Okay. There was another test also where he messes up, where he calls Sarah his wife. I'm sorry, his his, his uh, uh, sister that we looked at uh, last time when God rebukes him and through Gerar. Okay. This is another test. There's another test which the ch- several tests, in fact, the children of Israel go through in the wilderness. And God allows those tests. What are those tests and why are those tests? So let us look at the purpose of the test first. That is found, of course, we know it very well in Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful. I have told you, no? Careful to observe. Jagrata. Tasmat Jagrata. Okay. <laughs> that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore you. And then, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these days, 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what is in your heart and to see whether you would obey his commandments or not. That's the whole purpose of the test. First, what is he going to show to you? He is going to test you to show what is in your heart. That's the first thing. Okay. So, what is the first test that the children of Israel went through? And what did the Lord show them in their heart? Is a question. Okay. You understood now? So, the whole idea of the wilderness journey was to humble them, to see what is in their heart, to test them, to see what is, that they would know what is there in their heart. Let me show you. The first test. We know it very well. Turn to Exodus chapter 15. Sorry. Are we there? And read from verse 22 onwards. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea that they went out into the wilderness of Shur. 
and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to a place called Mara, I mean of course that was not Mara before, it was named Mara later, okay. This is uh, uh, after the event has happened. They could not drink the waters of Mara, Mara for they were bitter. Therefore, they, therefore the name of it is called Mara, okay, let's move on. Now when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara and verse 24, and the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And then, so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them and there he tested them. Now point is, what did he test them for? See, testing is, ordinance has to be given first to be tested. No, what did he test? Okay, let's move on, read it. Let's read the whole thing to get an idea. So, if, okay, verse 26, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord Yahweh, Yahweh Rapha. So that's the place where he declares and shows himself as a name, Yahweh Rapha. And he declares them and shows them as a name, Yahweh Rapha, and he tested them. So, to test, the purpose of the test is to what? Do what? To see what is there in your heart. What is there in your heart here? Is a question. So what is there in their heart? If you read the whole thing. What is there in their heart? No, no, no. Bitterness is there. Rebellion is there. See, I, it's very interesting for the first test the children of Israel have to go through is to see whether their heart is bitter or not. In other words, who are the people who are bitter? First of all, people who are bitter essentially are unforgiving. Okay, bitter. Second, bitterness because there's so much of unforgiveness in their lives. Okay, that's a spirit of unforgiveness. Second, bitter Mara also call, is, is, is used for another, uh, which is rendered as another word called rebellion. Okay, so two things God is exposing in their hearts. To first to see whether they are forgiving. Second to see whether they are rebelling. Two. And I'm telling you something. This is such an important truth for us to learn that Two things all of us in every area of our life, every day have to exercise is what? Forgive others their trespasses as you have forgiven other trespasses. That means you have to deal with rebellion. I mean that bitterness. Second is do his will. Two things every day of our lives. If you read the Lord's Prayer. Turn, turn, turn to Lord's Prayer. No, we'll see, understand this all the time. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 12, it says, forgive us our debtors, our debts, even as we forgive our debtors. That is, that is a fundamental thing every day we need to exercise. Okay. And especially if you are in very close relationships, closest of your relationships, every day there should not be any root of bitterness. And so when they, so how do we know whether our, 
our heart is bitter or not is a question. Okay? How do we know our heart is bitter or not? Turn to James. We'll know. Hmm? How we know that our heart is bitter or not? James chapter. Because out of, out of the abundance of the heart, what speaks? The mouth speaks. So turn to James chapter 2. It's very important, no? These are truths which we learn over and over again. But we will have to learn once again till it becomes a part of us, no? That we'll remember. Chapter 2. No, sir. So chapter 3. And verse um, 8 onwards. Okay. Chapter 3 of James and verse 8 onwards. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil. You see that? What is unruly? It does not like to submit to rules. That is the first thing. And it is full of oil. It has got the attitude of not come under authority. And it has also got that attitude of spewing venom. Okay. I'll tell you something. See all the people, I mean, you, your own life. Everybody, all the people I've seen, I mean, in my own life and I've seen in other people's lives also, people who are rebels always spew venom. What comes out of their mouth is sarcasm, words which are cutting, bitter. Because the people who are unruly And what is unruly? Their tongue is unruly simply because they are unruly. So he says, he made a statute and ordinance. What was the statute and ordinance he made there? Baba, your tongue is unruly. There's so much of venom inside of you. Deep-rooted unforgiveness. Deep-rooted anger. Okay. So, you see that people, this is so important. So verse 9 it says, with it we bless God, our Father, and with it we, it's remarkable, isn't it? See, definitely we cannot curse God. In the same order, we cannot curse our boss. At least publicly. Pratyakshangamano. Hmm? That's okay. So we cannot we cannot say anything. Okay. Sir, it's 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 a very important lesson for us to learn. So with with it we bless our God and our Father, and with it we despise and say all kinds of things against men. Simply because there are two things in our lives. One is the spirit of rebellion and bitterness. And the first test, God is telling those people over there, I'm going to put none of these diseases upon you. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. First, I'm going to cleanse and heal your heart and your tongue. Because many people who are bitter, their bitterness eats them up and that causes so many health issues. Unruly tongue also means unruly taste. Oh yeah, if the taste kuncham ruchi marge rent is alu, one apalamika, andukara brahma parasti. 
So he cannot stop. You know, a, he's, he's unruly. He will never subject himself. You'll see that. People, you, I, I, and I've seen that, you know, in many, many situations, people who do not, you cannot, you can, if they don't come under authority, you can see the kind of words they use. Condescending. They cannot speak maybe uh, very boldly with people who are higher than them. But when they speak to people who are under them, boy, only knives are coming out. Cuts, 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 cuts. They are cutting people left, right and center. You know why? Because that's their heart. So first test is a test of your tongue. With it we bless God. And with it, with me, we curse men who is made in the similitude of God. That is remarkable. That is the point over here. You don't see God in that is what he says. You slander and speak against your own mother's son. And I have kept quiet and you think that I am just like you. The first test is a test of rebellion and Bitterness, both go together. In other words, you know what God is telling in all of us, if there is rebellion, you just came out of power of darkness and into the power of light. You came out of the realm of witchcraft and into the realm of the kingdom of God. But you don't deal with this. You'll be brought back to that again. That is the reason why it says one of the works of the flesh is, you know what? Sorcery or witchcraft. Galatians chapter 16, uh, sorry, chapter 5 and verse 19 onwards. You can see that. Why not? Well, let's check it. No. Why are, why should we be so scared of looking at it? And, and you can read it from, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, you, you, I'm sure you're doing it NKJV, right? Uh, can you put it on NSB or uh, ESV maybe? NSB, is that NSB? Uh, NIV then. Now the works of the flesh, ah, yeah? NIV. Now the acts of the sinful nature or, or the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. That's a work of the flesh. So the first test the children of Israel go through is what? The test of bitterness and anger and resentment and rebellion. It's there. And all of us deal with it. Otherwise, it will pursue you if you are not healed of your bitterness. I am the Lord who heals you. Ani manamu. Manakka swastha parche devudu. Denichi swastha parche devudu manalne. That heart. That's, that is the reason why we talked about the spirit and the bride say come and the dove has no bitterness. No bitterness in it. The first thing that we have to deal with in every one of our lives, you now we become bitter people, a bitter people, a hatred or the strife, and you don't really deal with rebellion. You you don't understand. You know we think that uh, coming to to become a subject. That's what I'm saying. We are talking about subjection right here. The context of the, becoming a subject is 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 something to 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 constrain our freedoms. We are not we are not being asked to think independently. All that is nonsense, my dear brothers. It's all nonsense. You know it is not true. Deep down inside of your heart, it is, you know it is not true. It is simply because you don't want to accept him as your, I mean, you want to accept him as your sovereign in some sense, but never truly as a sovereign. Reign over my, what is the song that we sing? 
over all my dreams, over all my ways, or oh Lord, reign in me. Lord, won't you reign in me again? Are you all lies only? Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. This is this is essentially what is there inside all of our heart, and we have to. You can see the venom that sometimes people spew. It's their deep issues in their hearts, and it'll come out. So go back, go back to James now, chapter two. What 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 do they do now? Yeah, three, 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 three. Sorry, not chapter two. Bitter and sweet. I'm so sorry, Doctor Richard. I'm just confusing you too much. My, uh, it's, it's it's rushing through my mind, no? So I have to constrain my mind and start telling my tongue to think like the way my. Oh, sorry. T- tell my mind that to think like the way my tongue is thinking. So, yeah. So with we with it we bless our God and Father, and with it with we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My dear brethren, these things ought not to be so. And next verse he'll say he'll give another example. Does a spring send forth fr- sweet water and bitter water from the same mouth? See, that was a parable. Parable in the wilderness that was, they had bitter water over there to show their own bitterness inside. Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Does no springs yields both salt water and fresh water? It is impossible. It is impossible. In other words, there could be only one water coming out of our mouth. Should rather come out of our mouth. Should. That's enough. You can stop there. Should come out of. So what is the solution for this problem? He says, look at the tree over there. Who's the tree? Christ. And when we cut open Christ, what do we get out of his mouth? Lord, Father, forgive them. That is what we're supposed to get out. No trace of even a small bitterness inside because it is so dangerous if we don't deal with it with an iron fist turn with me to Hebrews we know it very well chapter 12 verse 14 onwards Pursue peace with all people hmm, and holiness with God. See, bless God and bless people. In other words, both. <laughs> Without which no one will see Lord. Looking carefully. Abba. You see that? Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and thus, and by thus, by this many become what? Defiled. And then it says, lest there be any fornicator and evil person like Esau for one morsel of bread he sold his birthright and after that he could not find place for what? Repentance even if he searched for it diligently. So the very first test in the wilderness is a test of your heart to see if there is any bitterness. And you know what God says? Okay, fine. Put the cross over there. Let the bitter water become sweet. In other words, apply the cross to your heart every day. To your tongue every day. You fellow, you unruly tongue, today you are not going to speak anything. Monbrath karo. Both sare lok karte na monbrath. That is the reason why he says, the Lord my God has given me 
a what tongue? A disciplined tongue. You know why he got a disciplined tongue? Because he had a disciplined ear. Oh my goodness. This is such an important truth. The first test. How do I know that I am got subject? If my tongue is subject. Otherwise my tongue is what? What ruling? Unruly. Unruly. And if my tongue is unruly, my whole body is unruly. We know that, right? It's a small rudder which is taking it wherever we want. Because life and death is in the power of the what? On the tongue. The power of the tongue. And God says, deal with bitterness. The first test is a test to see how bitter. Therefore, God will put through, put us through so many tests. Three days without water ka matlab kya hai? It's just a physical thing. Some kind of a, of, of a lack might come into your family. And suddenly you would say, the reason for this problem is you, you husband, you fellow. Or you will say, your wife, this is the problem. The reason why we are facing all these problems is because of you. Wife. Wife and wife will blame the husband, husband will blame the wife. Nobody will blame the child, of course. Or maybe both together will blame the child, I don't know. We don't know. Things can like that also happen. It's very dangerous. The first test is a test of bitterness and Fresh water and sweet water cannot come from the same mouth. So what do we do? Apply the cross to your tongue so that you can only get what? Fresh water. My goodness, you know, the best things that you can use your tongue with is what? Praying in tongues. Really? What a gift it is. You'll stop speaking, start praying and ask God to take over your tongue. Keep praying, 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 praying through the day. What an amazing gift that is. 95% of the church doesn't want it. They don't even believe it, I think. No, I don't know if the percentages have, have flipped, I'm not sure. So many people don't even know that there is a... They say we believe in tongues, but they don't speak in tongues. I mean, there's a lot of difference between <laughs> believing and speaking, right? Okay. So, the first test is a test of what? Bitterness. So, God allowed that to show the bitterness in your heart. And God will allow situations to see to see how bitter we are. And the things that venoms, the, the words that we speak, okay, that comes out of our mouth. Oh boy! And you know what God says? You want to experience me as your healer? You want to say, Yahweh Rafa? That's one of his names, right? Hallowed be your name, Yahweh Rafa. You know what Yahweh Rafa says? Let me cleanse your mouth. Let me cleanse your tongue so that out of it will come only what? Sweet water and never bitter. Okay. Water which will heal. It might be a little uh, tough on other people. Like for example, Joseph was, he spoke very roughly to his brothers. But that was okay. He could. Because his heart was not bitter. Okay. And then later he wept for them too. How are we doing on that is a question. <laughs> Second test. We know this test very well. Test of thirst. Second is test of hunger. So Exodus chapter 16 verses 1 to 4. <laughs> and they journeyed from Elim. They had 70 palm trees over there. 
my goodness, 70 palm trees. Can you imagine the kind of, the yield of fruit that they were giving for a 600,000 men army with children and families? So that was one heck of a place and one heck of a palm tree. Okay. The yield was crazy. Okay. <laughs> and they journeyed from Elam and all the congregation of the children came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they depart from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and said, Oh, that we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. Ah, See, what is coming out of their mouth? First is what is coming out of their mouth? Bitterness. Second, what is coming out of their mouth? World. Pots of meat. Bread to the full. And you have brought us into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. And this problem will keep on coming. And God said, fine. Pots of meat I will not give you. He is going to give them quail also. Okay, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. That I may ah, test them again now. Whether they will walk in my law or not. Again. What is the test here? Okay. Test is simple. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses. Verse 4, verse 4, verse 4, verse 4. Behold, I will rain bread. And verse 5. And it shall uh, be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring. And it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And then on the seventh day. Then uh, they have to they have to rest. No, where does it rest? Where is, oh, verse five. And it shall be on the sixth day they shall prepare what they shall bring, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. On the seventh day they are supposed to rest. What happens on the seventh day? Twelve, verse twenty. Notwithstanding, <laughs> what a beautiful word. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning. And it bred worms and it stank. And Moses was angry. That is one thing. Another place. Same. Hebrew, uh, Exodus chapter 6. Sorry. Uh, 6, 16. And verse. Um, verse tw- 24. Onwards. Onwards, okay. So they laid up until morning as Moses commanded and not sting, nor were there any worms in it. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Okay. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Verse 27. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the Sabbath day to gather, but they found none. And then verse 28. And Moses said, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? You see that? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of place on the seventh day. So let me tell you, you this is a very simple law. What is a simple law? Six days, I will give you double on the sixth day. Seventh day, rest. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in much. One of the lessons he was teaching them is, it's a very simple law. 
don't gather too much if and if you do it, finish it off otherwise it will stink we can we can we can so many spiritual lessons over there but i'm giving you a simple lesson over here but simple for all of us to understand six days you have to gather seventh day you rest is it easy very easy no sixth day i will give you double very easy okay then after a few days when he's going to give them the law he's going to give them the law of the sabbatical year what is the sabbatical year six years you shall till the land seventh day you shall give the land rest which is more difficult sabbatical year is difficult or sabbatical day is difficult which is more difficult sabbatical year is difficult Definitely, definitely difficult, no. Are one day up neko kam neto kasao jatabna zindagi? Pichilesh po the manaki? So what is God saying? Sixth day, you rest. What is that? What are you telling me, telling the world? I don't work for my, I don't work for my food. God gives me food. I am going to enter into God's rest and I am going to enjoy my work. That is my, that is my whole idea. But what did you do? You did not do the simple, simple things. Why will you do the big thing? If you are not faithful in little, you will also not be faithful in much. That is the second lesson. Simple commands. Simple, simple tests. And what is exactly where God will test us? In simple, simple things. If you cannot come to church on time, <laughs> will you know the time when the bride will come, bridegroom will come? I don't know. Simple. God said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in their midst. That is the Kairos moment for the church every every Sunday. Right? So when you come on time, God is there. So you meet God. If you do not come regularly like that, will you know the coming of His, when is He going to come? Will you know, will you be spiritually prepared for the time of His coming? I don't think so. Because you have never made it a regular practice to come to church on time, to meet Him, how do you think that you will be prepared for his coming? Which is more difficult? That or this? Simple things. So simple. The third test. And this is where I think is the best and we will st- we'll stop here. Okay. Third test is um, maybe we'll uh, do, yeah, let's go. Exodus chapter 17 verses 1 to 7. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for people to drink. Then what did they do? Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? God is testing them, but whom are they tempting? God. So, the place is called Meribah and Masa. We know what it means, contention and strife. But this is a very interesting thing. They were thinking that they were tempting God. But what was God doing? He was testing them. And who came through this test is a question. Okay? Who came through this test is a question. Okay? So, now go to Deuteronomy. Chapter 33. Verse 8. I like this. And of Levi he said, Let your Thumim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested. I like that. What does Exodus chapter 17 say? They tested God. 
on the contrary it was a test to everyone to see whether they will contend with the lord or with or will tempt with the lord when they find no water what happened whom you tested at massa and with whom you contended contended at the waters of meriba and because you tempted what has happened who who was the uh, against whom were they angry against aaron and moses both aaron and moses belong to which tribe okay the tribe of levi so when Mo, they when they complained against aaron aaron and moses there was one tribe which looked at that and they said you know what we will not complain anymore we complained at mara we complained what food now what we'll do is we'll stop complaining we will agree with the leadership and because we started agreeing with the leadership god looked at that and the next test when they came you know the next test right where the 10 commandments are given you see you think that you are tempting god but actually in reality god is tempting you to see whether he can hand over some of his responsibility to you and when we fail him we fail him big time he can't hand over you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and ultimately only one tribe will be able to be successful in that okay so you tempted him at massa and you contended with him at meriba and then what happened because they passed that test he says who says of his father and mother i have not seen them nor did he acknowledge his brothers or his own children for they observed your word and kept your covenant and finally was 10 you know what it says they will teach jacob your judgments and israel your law they shall put incense before you and a whole burnt offering or sacrifice before your altar three tests okay and for three tests the answer is jesus only strike the rock put the tree and wait for the manna from heaven eat of the tree eat of the bread from which is from heaven okay so let us look at one last test and we will stop for the day deuteronomy chapter 13 and why do i why am i saying this this is all because we want to be what subject to him right deuteronomy chapter 13 if there arises a prophet among you or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder what happens the sign or the wonder comes to pass which he spoke to you saying let us go after other gods and let us serve them which you have not known you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams for the lord your god is testing you to know whether you would love the lord your god with all of your heart and with all of your soul you shall walk after the lord your god him only you shall fear keep his commands obey his voice and you shall serve him and hold fast to him and you know what you should do through that fellow you should put that fellow to death fine all this is fine what is what is the what is the whole point over here see it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and teaching the only way you become a subject is when you are free to be his subject 
that's a very 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 um what do you say paradoxical truth let me explain this to you go on, go to john's gospel chapter 8 and verse 32 actually 31 you can see we know this very well then jesus said to those jews jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and verse 32 you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free free to be what why does why does it make you free look at the next verse verse 33 now then they said we are abraham's descendants and we have been not not in bondage to anyone jesus answered and said most assuredly i say to you whoever commits sin is a slave of sin and then a slave does not abide in the house forever but if but only a son therefore if the son makes you free you are free indeed so this is very important understand this you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free you become free to what to serve him why are you free to serve him because you know that you are a son and not a slave that is the whole idea of teaching the teaching is to create in you that freedom to free you more and more and more and more and more so that you become increasingly subject to him so what this is so important why am i saying this in the last days there will be a tremendous struggle even with those people who are inside the church who are subjecting themselves to authentic teaching to be steadfastly continuing in apostles doctrine is not an easy job to endure till the end is one of the most difficult things to do in your flesh unless and until you are free to obey you understand what i'm saying you are to continuously be free to obey therefore it says in romans chapter 8 oh sorry chapter 6 verse 17 onwards and we will stop okay god be thanked the though you were slaves of sin okay super no you were all what slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you this other doctrines what is what is going to make you it will promise you freedom but is making making into you into a slave here you were slaves of sin you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which we were uh, delivered to you and verse 18 and having been set free from sin you became what slaves of righteousness so what what has happened to you you became free to be a slave that is the important this is a remarkable thing of the of the word of god it frees you so that you become subject to him that is what teaching does anointed teaching you know what it does it frees you to become subject to him frees you to become subject to him it frees you from the spirit of fear and makes you subject to him frees you from the spirit of slavery and makes you subject to him i'll give you one example and i will stop in the last last example okay one example and from the old testament and we will stop turn with me to judges <clears throat> chapter 3 verses 7 6666 yeah 6 onwards yeah was what are sorry okay let, let, let's read from verse 1 onwards okay let me read it from all so let us let us see uh, to understand this now these are the nations which the lord the lord their god left that he might test israel by them that is all who had not known the wars of canaan okay and verse 3 now 
namely the lords of the Philistines, the Sidonians, etc. Hmm? Verse 5. Thus the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites and the Jebusites, the six nations which we talked about, right? And they took their daughters and uh, to as their wives and they gave their daughters to their sons and they served their gods. So what has happened? They failed the test. But what was God asking us to do, asking them to be to be freed from all the spirits, no? The Canaanite spirit, the Hittite spirit, the Jebusite spirit, all the spirits. Okay. What is the spirit of the Hittite? Spirit of terror, spirit of fear. What does the Bible say? God has not given us the spirit of fear that bring, takes us back to bondage, but the spirit of adoption by which we call out Abba Father. So in other words, to be really, truly, truly be freed from the, freed from all these spirits, one of the first thing that you have to deal with is the Hittite spirit, which is a spirit of fear or dread. Hmm? Okay. And then what happens is that when you're free, from this, you become subject to God. Alright? So now tell me something. In the Bible, who was that one person who was freed from the Spirit and who served God? Then we'll stop. The Hittite. Come on. So easy. Uriah, the Hittite. That's remarkable, isn't it? What does Uriah the Hittite mean? Hittite means a person who was under bondage to fear. Now what happens to this guy? He becomes free to serve David. What is his name now? He was a Hittite. Now what is his name? Uriah. You know what Uriah means? Yahweh is my light. Psalm 27 was written by David. But lived by Uriah. What did David write? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my right hand. Whom shall I be afraid? There was one guy called Uriah the Hittite who was delivered from the fear, the bondage of to fear and he truly became a servant of God. And then what happens? One day he's called. Oh, you're coming from a long battle. This man sinned. He is under bondage to fear now. Who is under bondage to fear? David is under bondage to fear. David is under the bondage to fear. The ultimate thing is that the Hittite comes who was once upon a time under bondage to fear. He says, you know Lord, you would get him drunk. You do what? Devil to him, he has got such strong convictions. He knows that his master is not ultimately master David. His master is who? God himself. He says that the Ark of the Covenant, my soldiers, my friends, and you are my master are in the fields and you are asking me to go home and sleep. No, sir. Sorry, 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 sorry. I am freed from the spirit of terror to serve and not to go back to bondage again. You see? And what happens to this guy? This guy, who is supposed to be the fearless, 
person who is fighting the battles of God is now under subject to fear and bondage. And the one guy who was under the spirit of bondage is freed to serve God. That is what I am talking about. And what is happening in these last days? You have so many teachings that are taking people back to bondage to fear, primarily. What is happening? It is taking them back to the world. And now what is happening? The whole world system is collapsing. They are all trembling with fear. Teaching which takes them back to the world is taking them back to bondage, to fear. And what do we have? We have Uriah, the ultimate Hittite. The Hittite means a person who was under tremendous fear and dread, Baba. You know what he does? He comes into the light of God. You know what he does? You know what actually that means? Uriah the Hittite means? A guy who was under fear. Why, why should he be under fear? Because he was in darkness. He was afraid of all, all the sins that he has committed. He was under the fear of condemnation and dread. You know what he did? He brought himself to the light. And he said, Lord, this is what I am, Lord. He asked God to forgive him and God cleansed him. No, he is no longer under the bondage to fear. He is so free to serve God. And even if his earthly master is compromised, he is still continuing to serve God. That is, what is, that is what it means to be a Uriah who has dealt with the spirit of fear and become subject to the master. So what do we need? We need teaching which sets us free. What is a teaching? It has to have what? Truth. What does truth do? It brings everything to light so that we will be set free from our bondage to fear. And will be set free to serve God and to be subject to Him. Oh, I'll leave you with this thought finally. John's Gospel chapter 7, chapter chapter 3 verses 17 onwards. John's Gospel chapter 3, 17 onwards. For God did not send His Son to the world to condemn the world. But the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And verse 19... This is the condemnation. Kya baat hai? That light has come into the world. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But whoever practices evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest its deeds be exposed. And verse 21 will say, but whoever returns, no, no. But whoever does the truth, comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You know what happened? That is exactly what Uriah the Hittite is. The Hittite, the guy who was under the spirit of fear and bondage to slavery, ultimately comes to the light of Yahweh and he becomes what? Free to serve. And nobody can take him back to bondage again. You see that? And what is David doing? Trying to serve him and trying to get him drunk. But he will never you lose his convictions, the strength of his convictions. You know why? Because there's one guy who's been truly set free to serve. And he's become what? Subject. Isn't it amazing? That he's so subject to his boss and also to his earthly boss. His earthly boss gives him the death letter. His own death. He's willing to go and die. Absolutely under subjection. So there is a sovereign 
there's a subject. Lot of earthly sovereigns are there. In the middle. That's what, there's a song, no? Many people have a crown, but you reign. <laughs> Many people have a crown, but you reign. Okay. So many lessons to be learned from Uriah the Hittite. So, so many people are there in the kingdom of God. Who like God to be their sovereign in that come and heal and give them job and make them all kinds of things. But how many are willing to come to the subjection of God? So God will test us to see what is in our heart. To see that truly we are subject to him. So he will test our tongue. He will test our bitterness. He will test us in simple, simple things. He will test us whether we will be subject to his authority. Or we will strive or contend with his leadership. And finally, he will test us with all kinds of false teachings also. Teachings which will lead us to bondage. But we will be like Uriah. No, 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 no. Sorry. That is the reason why it says, if even I or an angel from heaven will should, should, should teach you any other doctrine, let him be accursed. And that is one guy, Uriah. Even David is trying to go and, and relax. No, you have come from war. Sorry, David. I love you. I honor you. I respect you. But I will never ever come and compromise uh, my my allegiance to Yahweh. He is my light. Uriah means that. Uri, yeah, means Yahweh is my light. What an amazing guy, you know. He has to bring light into David's life. But the unfortunate thing is that David himself switches off that light. That let us not be people who will switch off Uriah's from our life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come, commit ourselves to your hands again this morning. So many truths we have learned. We pray, Father, but Lord, that you would continue to minister to us through these days, speak to our hearts continuously, constantly, and cause us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, Amen.